was in my preteens and early teens, I was very self-conscious about myself. And like many students in the classroom, that self-consciousness translated into a lot of giggling. I couldn't read aloud in the classroom because I was aware of the fact that everybody was listening to me. I couldn't make a speech or recite a poem because I would giggle because I knew everybody was listening and watching me. When I went to teacher's college and began to teach, we had been taught we had been taught about the value of oral reading. And at the beginning, my oral reading was exactly the same. I would be aware of the fact that all of my students were looking at me, staring at me, in fact, and paying attention. And so I would start to giggle. And I had to develop strategies to hide that giggling and that anxiousness and that nervousness. But eventually, I got the hang of it, and then I started to increase my repertoire. I learned, for instance, and I continue to advocate this, that we should always read books to students that have vocabulary and situations that are above grade level, so that when they're listening to a story, they're listening to unfamiliar vocabulary. And so they're stretching their literacy skills because they're learning, they're listening to a story, hearing unfamiliar words, hearing how they're used, and talking about them. So oral reading is an important part of any literacy program. I remember, I must have been teaching maybe 20 years or 18 years, and I had a large group of grade fives and grade six students. And I had started to look for books to read aloud that were considered to be classics of literature. And I had in my library at the school, I was also the part-time librarian, I had a copy of the book The Yearling by Marjorie Kennan Rawlings. And because I knew that young girls and young boys in those days were interested in horses and I'd seen the movie, I thought, this is going to be a good book to read. I used to get all of the students up around my desk and get on the floor and sit with them on the carpet and read to them. And I would allow them to lie down or sit up or do whatever they did to feel comfortable. The reason I'm talking about that is when we got to the last chapter. As I was reading, the entire classroom was as silent as could be. You could hear a pin drop. And when I got to the last couple of sentences, there was a long pause, and then the students clapped. This was a grade six class, but they clapped, and they clapped because they enjoyed it. 
And I remembered then about my mother talking about how they used to sit around the radio in the living room listening to different programs. This was before the age of TV. So it reinforced the idea that listening is an important part of language. And the best way to get students to listen is to get them to listen to stories where they use unfamiliar vocabulary. And so they're enhancing their literary skills, literacy skills, and talking about some situation that's unfamiliar to them. So they are further enhancing their literary skills, literacy skills. So how does this fit into the series of lessons I've been taping? In the last lesson, I talked about problem-based learning and assessment. And what I want to do in this short video is tie in what that means in terms of, in terms of a kind of a novel study. In the old days, a novel study used to mean the student read a book that they were given, not that they chose, and they had to read it and they had to write a book report. And the book report had to follow the template that the teacher gave them. Long before they were talking about problem-based learning, I made cards for novels and I allowed the students to pick the novels from the library and I would approve or disapprove of their choices so that eventually I got them to each be reading a book that was of a kind a certain quality. I allowed the better readers to read better books and the struggling readers to read easier books. But every student had to read a book a month. And then they could decide how they wanted to portray or tell me and the rest of the class about their new knowledge gained by reading the book. They could do book covers. They could do book reports. They could do models. They could do uh, research projects. They could do any number of things. You get the idea. What we call those now are culminating performance tasks. So I want to use a book that if I were in the classroom today would be a wonderful book to read to a group of students. And I'm choosing this book for a reason because it has so many different branches to it. It's called, it's called Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. Jacqueline Woodson is a black novelist in the United States who's written a tremendous number of books for teenagers and preteens about the black experience. Black Girl Dreaming Brown Girl Dreaming, sorry, Brown Girl Dreaming won the Newbery Award Prize for Children's Fiction just this last year. In the book, she uses poetry and vignettes 
of her growing up and her family moving north from the south and finding their way in Chicago. It is a beautifully written book, and it is very moving because so many things that she writes about as you as I read it, and I just read it not too long ago, reverberates with what's happening today. It talks about poverty. It talks about hunger. It talks about homelessness. It talks about separation from family, and so forth. So if I were a classroom to teacher today, and I was going to use a book like that, I would use a book like that to read aloud to the students and think about what and talk about what she was painting in words. And then afterwards, I would ask the students to create a culminating performance task. But in this case, I want to use a specific example of a culminating performance task. The purpose of a culminating performance task is for the students to display their understanding, their comprehension of what they were read or what they have read themselves and explain it to somebody else. It's one thing to understand what you hear. It's another thing to try to tell somebody else what you've heard and help that other person understand what you've heard. That reinforces and deepens the learning. <coughs> so, imagine this for a culminating performance task. Allow students to divide themselves up into pairs. And in each pair, one of the students has to be the person who is interviewed and the other member of the, the partnership has to be the interviewer. And the interviewer writes questions of Jacqueline Woodson that are based on the reality of her experiences growing up. And the other student has to answer them. So how do you make it possible for everybody to display their new knowledge? Today's teenagers and preteens are all involved in websites like TikTok and YouTube. TikTok is a better example because it's aimed at young people. So you have the students videotape. So in actual fact, you can have the, it can be a team of three, one to interview, one to answer the questions, and one to do the videotaping. Now, I also talked about how you assess a culminating performance task like that. So what are the things I as a teacher should be looking for? depending upon the age and the grade, I would want to make sure that my students speak properly. You can include in a rubric that you can create proper language 
use. So the question has to be asked in a complete sentence and the answer has to be answered properly. Another part of the rubric can be the essence of the answers. Do the answers reflect the reality that they read about in the novel? Do they add details from the, no from the novel, which is really an, a biographical novel? Do the answers reflect the details so that you know they understood the story? That's another dimension of the rubric. Another dimension of the rubric can be the written responses that they have to submit so the teacher can then go and see not only did they speak properly, they wrote properly. And a final dimension of a rubric for a performing, culminating performance task like that can be did they go beyond the novel? Did they do any research? Did they look up de details about Jacqueline Woodson's life? And did they maybe read another book by her and bring in other details? I would tell my students in advance what I was looking for. And then they can create the videos and then I can mark the videos, use the rubric to assess the videos. One final piece, because it's a performance task, the videos could be played for the class. And in fact, one of the things you could be aiming for is for the students to assess one another as they become more proficient in what you're teaching them about culminating performance tasks and good language and good grammar and doing research, they can assess one another using the rubric they create together so they can see and try to aspire to be better for the entire class. So that's a way you can use oral reading to stimulate a culminating performance task that includes reading, writing, speaking, and listening and enhances the literacy abilities of all of the students in the class. You can do that with almost every good book for kids. And if you're not sure where to begin, just do some research. You can look for books on the American Library Association website or the Newbery Award website or, the, if you're Canadian, the um, Canada Council has um, uh, awards for children's literature. All you need to do is put in uh, award-winning children's literature and you get a link to all kinds of websites. It's fun for the kids, and it's fun for you, and it's enriching all the way around. Try it. You are bound to like it.